Good morning. How are you guys? You guys doing mar marginally well? Kind of okay? Jean, it's great to see you. Yeah. It is home, isn't it? Yeah, you know, it's good. So, hey guys, I wanted to give you guys a little bit of an update. Um, hello, Dan. So, sorry, I'm just shameless that way, so. I can't see back there, Greg. Sorry, I see hands waving, so you're out of the, um, anyway, yeah, it's like, uh, what was that old show? I see, is that Romper Room? Like, yeah, dating yourself. Terrell, you remember that? No, you don't remember that. All right. Hey, guys, uh, just so you guys know, um, I don't even know what it says. My name's Spencer. It says leader up there. I don't know. I've been a cornerstone for a long time. I'm just a guy in the church. You know, that's kind of one of those things. But one thing that I do get the privilege of doing is um, probably, man, it's almost been 20 years now. Uh, it's 19 years ago. Cornerstone... Um, there were a handful of us that saw one, a, a pretty significant need in, in the world, in all honesty. Um, and that was for affordable Bible training. Um, and so about 19 years ago, Cornerstone started uh, Eternity Bible College. But here's the reason why. Um, at that time, and it's still true 20 years later, the number one reason missions agencies were rejecting applicants, turning away applicants. Um, so someone wants to go on the mission field, someone wants to go overseas. Um, the primary reason missionaries were being turned away from agencies was because they had too much student-related debt. They would get biblical training, but then they would be in too much debt to be able to actually go. And um, there were a bunch of us that just went, that's not right. Uh, there's something wrong in that. Um, and then on top of that, um, not just foreign missions, but then also people just locally and going, man, you know what? Um, it just seems like people going into vocational ministry or even just people who are wanting to be just equipped to advance the gospel regardless of vocation. But just to give you an example, um, we need to make biblical training accessible to people. Um, just an example here, there's a pastor locally. When I say locally, I mean within like 15 miles. Um, 80 grand in debt going into, just because he came out of uh, getting a degree in biblical studies. Now, imagine that. I mean, I don't know if you guys pay attention to how much, like, pastors get paid. They don't get paid that much. So to put an $80,000, like, liability on the church, that really does put a burden on local churches. And so anyways, we just went, you know, there's a problem here. Let's start something different. And so we did, and that's where we've been for the last 20 years. But here's what I want you guys to know. Um, as much as we started back here with that vision, that's still the case. 20 years later, we've got literally hundreds of people all over the world, thousands plus people actually have taken classes. But the thing that I'm most excited about is this. We're not preparing people for the church that was. We're really trying to position and train and equip people for the church that will be. And so we're going to just watch just a short, it's a two-minute video. And it's two guys that you guys actually probably know. Um, and then we'll come back in this and then we'll just get on with the rest of the day here. So I don't know, Cole, can you push play real quick? If you don't want to push play, that's fine. Hey, look, that's Mike Guerin. I'm so thankful for the time that I got at EBC where I was able to learn just how to read the Bible, to study it, to interpret it, and also to apply it to the lives of people. With working with students, it's very important to not only instruct them in God's word, but to be able to talk about how it actually applies to their real life circumstances. So I'm very thankful for that. I was also able to be a part of a class that was very focused on uh, God's activity around the world and just understanding God's heart for the world and where we play into that as believers in fulfilling his great commission 
has been uh, monumental in my life and in my ministry. So I'm just so thankful for all the time I had at EBC and uh, just what they do in the lives of young people. Um, I would say the way that Eternity has prepared me well is that they ingrained in me a biblical worldview that had me understand the story of God is all encapsulated in my life and things that are in my life that I don't have necessarily direct engagement with either. So things that I'm seeing happening all around the world, he's totally caught all of that. And he's uh, king on the throne now, and he's going to ultimately be king on the throne at the end of the story too. And my call at the, through the entire thing is just to be faithful as a follower of him. So what that allowed me to do is, as things were going haywire and crazy and there's all these hot button issues and people are losing their wits, um, while not perfectly, I was able to have this underlying assurance and peace and hope that Jesus is on the throne and he's going to be at the end. And so while things may seem like they're on fire uh, in my world currently, Ultimately, I can rest assured that King Jesus is on the throne, and he's going to be at the end of the day, too. So I'm deeply grateful for that, and it has allowed me to walk through numerous conversations and numerous moments in my life uh, with an assurance that my main call is to follow Jesus and to be faithful to that call. Yay for Mike, yay for Kyle. Both of those guys are at Cornerstone. I don't know if you guys remember that or not, but Kyle, um, just a guy in the church, uh, works in a local business. Um, Mike obviously works student ministries here. Both of those guys, former students, um, both of them benefited from the work EBC's doing. But here's the thing that I want you guys to hear. Um, it's absolutely impossible to live biblically if you don't know the Bible. Like, do you guys realize this? Like, it's absolutely impossible to live biblically. It's impossible to have a biblical marriage. It's impossible to have a, a, a God-honoring, a biblically-based business, uh, a way that you actually love your neighbors uh, biblically if you don't know the Bible. Like, it's just one of those things of going, we, we, we say we want to live biblically, but then we're biblically illiterate. And we just go, man, you know what? You can't do that. You have to actually know the scriptures. And so we just want to make that accessible to people. And so that's really what's been, what we've been about for the last 20 plus years. Um, there are so many people who, who call Cornerstone their home, uh, whether it's people on staff, people who have been sent out. Last week, Matt Higby was up here sharing. Matt was a former student of ours. He's currently in China or Japan, sorry. Um, but it's just, it's, it's what drives us. And so, man, just thank you guys. Really, really appreciate the work uh, that you guys have allowed us to do. Cornerstone was absolutely instrumental in starting EBC 20 plus, you know, 20 years ago. And Cornerstone has kind of been a faithful partner uh, in varying degrees over the last 20 years. And, and so thank you. Um, and just wanted to give you guys just a, a small update. Um, in the last... 18 months, COVID stuff happened, right? Uh, we did really well through the first like 15 months of COVID uh, because we were positioned really well for the online world. Um, and so we actually did pretty well. We saw our, our kind of uh, enrollment kind of just kind of stay average, maybe grow a little bit. And then this last year, um, 
I think people got tired of learning online and we've saw a real dip and decline in student engagement. And part of that I think is because there's some unsettledness in the church today and people are trying to figure some things out. And so what that's done is it's gone, man, um, okay. Um, there's, some, there, there's a little bit of a gap as far as finances, but there's also a gap as far as students go. And so just my request to you guys is as you guys are kind of approaching the end of the year, man, there's a new semester coming. Maybe you guys know somebody. Maybe you guys actually go, man, you know what? I think there's value in me actually thinking biblically. I would just kick that open to you guys and go, man, maybe, the, maybe you would be a great student. Maybe you want to th- learn how to think biblically in light of the story of God so you can respond biblically to whatever God's called you to. That would be an amazing way to partner with us is actually take classes. Maybe you know somebody who would benefit from taking classes. Or maybe you get some huge end-of-year bonus, you know, and, uh, you know, you just want to go, hey, you know what? We believe in what EBC's doing. Uh, Greg Burkhart, you know, you know you know, people like that, right? No, I'm just kidding. But um, uh, it's a shameless ask. I'm, I'm, I'm not above that. Um, but who knows, you know? It's, it's just one of those things, guys. But I just want to put it before you. We're absolutely passionate about training and equipping people to partner in God's work globally. And that includes uh, things that are happening domestically, but it also... We really are passionate about seeing God, um, God's kingdom advance globally. So thank you guys. Uh, just wanted to bring that on, on, onto your guys' radar. But I'll talk to you guys more about that later. Um, now it's time to actually, actually ask you guys a couple of questions that are far more indicting than just what you're going to do with your money and stuff at the end of the year and what you're going to do with your time next semester. Um, this has to do with last week. How many of you guys actually paid attention last week to what Christian was talking about? Christian, don't look. Don't look. All right. Okay. So, even more indicting. How many of you can remember two weeks ago when Todd was talking? Okay, like three people. Okay, this is a rough go, Todd. You, man. Um, guys, here's the thing. Um, we've been talking about what? Anybody remember? Yeah, somebody pointing. Yeah, the mind, right? And, and what did we say about the mind? What was the mind? How we engage the world? You guys actually have to, this is like, this is not passive participation. You guys know, I mean, those of you who know me know I can't sit passively and like expect me to talk the whole time. I need you guys to do this with me and like, we're gonna have a dialogue here. How we perceive the world, how we make sense of the world. Does that sound vaguely familiar? So that's what the mind is. It's how we actually engage, perceive, or interpret the world around us, right? And Todd, a couple weeks ago, said in Romans 12, hey, we need to, no longer be conformed to the pattern of the world, but we need to be renewed in the way that our mind works, right? We have to have the renewing of our mind. Does that sound vaguely familiar? Kind of? Okay. And I gotta be honest, sorry. I'm, I'm like ADD child all over the place. You guys all have changed seats over the last 15 months. It really bothers me. Because there are certain people that I expect to sit here, Bob Ferguson, and now you're over there. That really is disruptive. So, it's just, it, it just messes with me. So, um, there are still people who stay in the same spots, but some of you guys, we have assigned seats. It's just, it's the way it's supposed to be. Um, anyways, that's neither here nor there. But the mind, the mind is, is how we perceive the world. We need to have this mind renewed. That's kind of what Todd laid out two weeks ago. Last week, um, what we had is we had Christian talking through... Um, I think this is where we were. Okay, yeah, Christian was talking through some things. Um, and what it is, is he's saying, okay, the story of God actually is speaking about 
how God created and intended us to know things and how God intended our minds to work. And so if you guys remember or have ever thought through this here, um, I'm an old like high school English teacher. I paid attention to like literary structures and whatnot. And watch this, this is gonna be incredibly perceptive, okay? This is true of every story now. Now watch this. Every story has a beginning, right? Every story has a conflict. Every story has some sort of resolution. Every story has an ending. Doesn't matter what kind of story, every story has these things, right? Um, and, and God's story is no different, right? Um, God's story, whoa, getting crazy there. Um, God's story in the beginning was creation, right? God's intent in creation was to make himself known. We see that in, in people. People are image bearers. They're to reflect God to the world. Other parts of creation, Psalm 19 says that, you know, um, the rocks and, and, and things, you know, the creation of the world, the created things of the world are actually created to actually sing out God's glory. You know, Psalm 19 is pretty clear on that. And so you go, creation was intended to make God known. We say glory sometimes, but really it's this idea of making God known. And you go, okay, that was God's intention in the beginning. Then we have the conflict in the story is sin or rebellion, the fall. And then we see the, the resolution of the story is Jesus. And then we see the ending in new creation. You guys tracking? This is not, this is not new stuff, but this is just, we got to at least reset this. And then where Christian was last week is in this first column. And he's talking through, okay, in the beginning, in the beginning, what was God's intention in how we were to know things and how our mind was supposed to operate? And if you guys weren't here, this is just kind of a, a recap. If you were here, it's kind of refreshing. But this is the way we were supposed to know in the beginning. We were supposed to know in a way that was limited. How, were, how was our knowledge or how was our mind limited in the beginning? You guys remember? Oh, come on. Act like you actually are engaging here. Okay, knowledge of good and evil. Yeah, that, that our knowledge was limited because we didn't know evil. Right? What else was our knowledge limited to? Someone said shame and nakedness? Okay, good. What else? Yeah, walking with God. This idea of, of what we knew was limited to what God brought in front of us. Right? Which then also leads to this idea of dependence. How were we dependent in our knowledge? We were dependent upon what God revealed to us. Does that sound vaguely familiar to you guys? So in the beginning, God had an intention and that man was supposed to know things and our mind was supposed to operate in a way that was limited and it was dependent and it was in relationship with God. And when we knew things properly, we were actually, we were putting God on display well because we were acknowledging our, our limitations and our dependence. Does that sound, sound vaguely familiar to you guys? A little bit? Almost, maybe, kind of, sort of. All right. Some of you guys are wondering what's here. This is amazing. All right. So I ransacked the 70s, brought my little wavy mirror. All right. Some of you guys are went, wait, did you pull that off my wall? Dave Ellis, that's you right there. Um, Will Gary, that's you. All right. But guys, watch this. So we were actually intended to know things. And when we... we when we actually are functioning the way God intended in regards to knowledge, we reflect him accurately. We're these little mirrors, right? And we reflect God well. 
Does that kind of make sense to you guys? Hi, Dan. Um, it's just like name, you know, name all your friends, right? But guys, this is the way we were intended. This is what, this is what being an image bearer is like, okay? Limited, dependent, and in relationship. Everyone tracking so far? All right, now we can move on. So that's where we've been. Now, let's move forward. We're gonna talk today through the story of God and what does sin or the fall do in regards to knowledge or the way our mind works. So, guys, just by way of, you know, in all honesty, it's really simple. Um, we're gonna look at Genesis 3. We're gonna look at verses one through six. And just so you guys know, it's the inverse of what Christian was talking about last week. Sin disrupted what, the way God intended things to be known. Watch. If you have a Bible, grab it, open it up. Um, if you guys need to, you can just read up here. So, now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the tree in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the tree in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. All right, so if God's intent in the beginning in the way we were to know was limited and dependent and in relationship with him, how do you see that being violated here in Genesis 3? And you're like, no, 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 this is like normal preaching time. This is where you're supposed to tell us. And I'm saying, no, 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 you forget, guys. I don't preach. I'm a teacher, guys, so I expect you to tell me. Um, but guys, look. Okay, yeah, he didn't do what he, he told him to. What else? Someone said something in the back. Okay, yeah, we went outside of, we weren't satisfied with limitations of knowledge anymore. Where do you see that? Where do you see us being, going outside of what God intended or our, our limits? Okay, I see a lot of you guys are participating well now, it's just too many voices at one time, which is okay, it's you, you know, it's like old school. Raise your, no, don't raise your hand, don't do that. Um, guys, look at this. Let's, let's start with this idea of going, okay, um, were they in relationship with God? Were they walking with God here? Or were they independent of God? Yeah, they were, there was a degree of which they're, they're not walking with God at this point. They're actually uh, kind of outside of relationship with God. I just want to make sure we note that. But then secondly, um, do you see a pursuit of knowledge that is let's say, um, unlimited. We'll get to, Jeff, hold on just a second. We'll get to independence in just a second. Let's start with, let's start with this idea of, of limits. Do we see them actually wanting to go beyond what God had limited or restrained? Yeah, where do you see that? Yeah, a desire to make one wise, and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. Guys, think about that for a second. One of the things that the serpent actually put before Eve was 
hey, you don't have to be limited in your knowledge anymore. You can be like God, knowing good and evil. Is that true or false? It's 100% true. The serpent was 100% true in that statement. Because did Eve know evil at this point? Nope, no idea. So, so the serpent, in a deceptive way, tells the truth. I know that sounds weird. In a deceptive way, he tells the truth. And those of you guys who are like, yeah, you're like, what? But it works though. Now watch this. So no longer satisfied with being limited in knowledge, actually puts in front of, of the woman and puts in front of humanity, hey, you don't need to be limited. You can be like God. Whoa. What else? This idea of independence. No longer are you dependent upon what God revealed. Now you can actually judge for yourself if something is good and appropriate or not. Look at verse five and six. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened. And then verse six. So when the woman saw that the tree was good to eat, wait, wait, God told you to not do it. And now you're judging for yourself and you're gonna determine what's right and wrong? Whoa. Guys, God clearly had given instruction on how the mind was supposed to work and how we were supposed to gain knowledge. And we see here that, man, sin absolutely undoes what God's intention is. Are you guys, is this, are you guys tracking with me here? Okay, so all of a sudden, God intended our knowledge to be limited and dependent and in relationship with him. That's where Christian was last week. All of a sudden, this week, we're looking at the fall and saying, guys, do you realize that our capacity to know things has been absolutely the opposite of what God intended? Now, all of a sudden, we are... Like we have the, it's in front of us to go, man, we, we now know things independently of God's design and in an unlimited or less than restrained capacity. How's that working out? Uh, just wait there. Yeah, we'll get there. We'll get there. Because the reality is, guys, this is, this is serious business though. And we don't often think about the fact that, okay, in Romans 12, when it says, don't be conformed any longer to the pattern of the world, we often think, and we, we think about that in regards to the, like, the issues of morality, but we don't often think about it in far as like how our mind actually works. And so when it says, be renewed, well, one, we go, what did, what did God intend in the beginning? But second, what does it even mean to be conformed to the pattern of the world? So we have to actually do, do some work here. So that's where we are. You guys tracking so far? For the most part? Okay, now watch this. So here's where we are. So in the conflict, we see sin, fall, redemption. Okay, uh, I don't know why it says redemption. It's supposed to say rebellion. Who typed this up? Goodness gracious. Anyways, it's tough finding good help anymore. Sorry about that. It should say sin, fall, rebellion. Redemption's on the other side. So uh, all of a sudden, our, our pursuit of knowledge is unlimited and it's independent. Genesis 3, 1 through 6 is this way. If you guys keep going in the Bible here, you guys will see that, okay, we get to Genesis 11. Genesis 11 is what? You guys remember? It's the Tower of Babel. So right after Genesis 3, we see the consequence of sin in Genesis 4 and Genesis 5. Genesis 6 starts off the, the flood account. 
And it's kind of this idea that, that God hits the reset button on creation. Kind of flood, just kind of destroys the world with the exception of a select few. Genesis 10 is kind of the, the resetting of humanity and creation after the flood. We get the, the promise that he makes to Noah. And then in Genesis 11, we see this Tower of Babel being constructed. And what was the reason for this tower? What was humanity trying to do? They were trying to reach God, but, and, and do what? They were trying to make a name for themselves. Led Zeppelin wasn't on the scene yet, but close. Um, but now watch this. He said a stairway to heaven for those of you. And some of you guys are like, what? And some of you guys are like, ah. Anyways, but guys, watch this. They were trying to make a name for themselves. And guys, I would say that this, is the, this has been the state of humanity ever since. You go, you have God's intention in the beginning is to make himself known. Sin enters into the world, and now all of a sudden there's this tension. Are we about making God known and putting God on display? Or are we about making a name for ourselves? And this is true not just of knowledge and how our mind works, of everything. Man, am I, am I conducting my business in a way that actually puts God on display and makes God known? Or how I actually am trying to make a name for myself? In the way I conduct myself with my family or my neighbors or my wife or my kids or the way I interact with the news or politics or anything, I'm going, am I about making God known or am I about trying to make a name for myself? But we're not talking about those other things. We're talking about knowledge and the mind. God had intentions on how we were to know things. All of a sudden, the reality of Genesis 11 hits, and it hits hard. Man, you know what? The way I actually try to think and know and interpret the world, guys, I often do this in a way that's actually very self-serving, in a way that's trying to make a name for me. Does that make sense to you guys? And all of a sudden, I exit out of God's intention and now all of a sudden I'm living out this reality of the brokenness of humanity and the brokenness and the effect of sin has affected my mind in the way that I actually think and process and interpret the world around me because I'm no longer functioning and interpreting the world the way God intended, but I'm functioning and interpreting in a way that's actually gonna make more of myself, okay? Now, what does that lead to? Um, if you have a Bible, if you, if you don't, it's, no, it's not a big deal. I'll just read it to you guys. In Titus chapter 1, Paul is writing to Titus as he's trying to establish a church in Crete. And he says this about the people of Crete. And he says, they profess to know God, but they deny him by his works. Their, their acts are detestable. Um, and to the pure and unbelieving, or sorry, sorry, but to the defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure, but both their minds and their consciences are defiled. That's if you read the NS, uh, ESV. If you read the NIV, it says both their minds and consciences are corrupted. You know, guys, the, that the state of humanity, certainly true of the people of Crete, but really of all humanity, when we actually are trying to make a name for ourselves and how we know and interpret and process through the world, guys, no longer are we this way no longer are we this way kind of reflecting God to the world as like redeemed image bearers or as, as image bearers. We're actually functioning this way. Where you go, man, does this still reflect a little bit? 
But is it, is it broken? Sure. But now watch this. Some, sometimes people are this broken and you go, okay, that's a problem. But then sometimes you end up with something like this where you're like, the state of humanity and the way we know things is more like this. And you go, man, you know what? Um, it's not that we can't know things. Like, does this mirror reflect? Does it reflect things properly? No. And going, guys, the reality is, you know what? This is the way humanity's minds work. It's the way a lot of our aspects of our life work. It's not that as image bearers, sorry, I'm, I'm blinding some of you guys, sorry about that. Um, it's, not that it's not that our minds don't work, it's that they don't work properly. When we exit out of God's intention in the way that our minds are supposed to work, the reality of sin, when we actually are trying to make a name for ourselves, we exit out of God's intention for humanity, and it's not that our minds stop working, they stop working properly. It's not that that mirror doesn't reflect, it's that it doesn't reflect as it was intended to. When I shattered that mirror, as that mirror no longer reflected the way it was supposed to, And that's the way our minds operate as a result of sin. So now all of a sudden, when I'm actually engaging the world in a way that's independent and unlimited in my pursuit of knowledge, I'm no longer walking with God, all of a sudden, think about this for a second. It's not that my mind stops working, but now in this state of independence, now the way I engage knowledge is I don't need anyone else. I can determine truth on my own. I am the subject matter expert. I know. Does that make sense to you guys? And I know that the likelihood is for us to probably think in terms of all these other people out there who are guilty of this. And is that true? Probably. But for a second, just go, man, are you prone to this? And if you guys are anything like me, yeah, the answer is yeah, you are. Because we, as people who were part of the fall, the way we know and the way our mind engages and the way we interpret the world has been broken. And so, yeah, if we stay in that state of knowing in a way that's independent, man, guys, we can start actually putting ourselves into the seat of the absolute authority on something. That's very detrimental to actually making God known. We actually are reflecting God like a bunch of broken image bearers. We're like that broken mirror there. Guys, as if we're exiting out of what God intended, do we also realize that we're prone to deception? Okay, we just need to acknowledge that. Like, how many of you guys here are prone to deception? Okay, if anybody doesn't have their hand up, you guys are also guilty, you know? But going, it's one of those, it's like saying, how many of you guys have blind spots? Okay, yeah, all of us, right? How many of you guys know what those blind spots are? You know, going, if you did, you wouldn't have a blind, you know, anyways. It's one of those things of going, guys, we're prone to deception all of a sudden. Guys, and, and if we're prone to deception, what we end up believing is we end up believing whatever is going to enhance the story I believe in, what's ever going to make me look good. I mean, it's one of those things, the essence of deception isn't something that's going to make me look bad. It's going to be that which actually builds my name up. It's kind of that Genesis 11 thing. 
And so we just go, man, I want to be careful there. Um, or if we actually start thinking in terms of this idea of um, unlimited knowledge, guys, what, what starts to happen? All of a sudden, we start to develop this attitude of entitlement. I have a right to know. I have a right to information. And, and guys, we realize that that's actually, that can be really unhealthy for us. And we can actually start to reflect poorly the way God intended us to know things. And again, I'm not, a, I'm not advocating for like an anti-intellectualism or, or actually not wanting to think deeply through things. I'm just saying we have to be careful not, not having this attitude of like we expect to know or that I have a right to know certain things or everything. Um, I'm not certainly not the authority on things and I'm actually, I can be prone to deception. Um, and so all of a sudden, when we think in a way that's actually going to make a name for ourselves, we're exiting out of what God intended because we're actually pursuing something with independence and a lack of limit or a lack of restraint on things. Does that kind of make sense to you guys? Guys, and it's kind, it can be a little bit of a downer because I don't know if you guys realize this, but sin didn't just affect our moral standing with God. Sin absolutely affected our capacity to think and to make sense and interpret the world around us. Sin affects how we are to know things. We no longer know things properly. We no longer are doing this and reflecting God well. Sin has caused our mind to do this and going, guys, this is the reality. This is what God's called us to, but this is the way we actually are functioning. And the reality is we don't have to stay that way because what is it that Jesus actually offers? All of a sudden, guys, if we realize that that's the state of things, watch this in going, if you get to Colossians 2, you start to see passages that start to say something like, okay, in Christ in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Or in 2 Corinthians 5, if any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. That means there's also a, a, a new mind that's there. Or all of a sudden, you get to Romans 12, and you're like, oh my goodness, don't be conformed any longer to the pattern of the world. Don't think this way anymore. But actually, through the renewing of your mind, actually, when we, when we think differently, we actually start doing this. But that requires us in Romans 12, 1, to offer our bodies as living sacrifices. When we sacrifice ourselves and our capacity to be independent and we actually acknowledge that, no, 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 I want my knowledge to be dependent upon the Lord. I want my actually, I want my knowledge to reflect Jesus well. That actually causes me to engage the world differently. I think differently, I know things differently, my mind operates differently. I'm no longer actually trying to be unrestrained in my pursuit of knowledge or how I engage the world. I'm actually appropriately kind of pulling the reins in and going, okay, what does it look like to walk with God? What does it look like to know things with a degree of patience and humility? What does it look like to know things in a way that's dependent, 
dependent upon the Lord and interdependent on others. Guys, we're gonna talk more about that in the coming weeks, but that's what it looks like. We actually don't have to stay in a pattern where we're those broken image bearers in the way we think and interpret the world. We can think differently. We need to think differently. And unfortunately, too many of us are thinking just like the world around us. There's not much difference at all. And yet that's exactly what Paul's calling us to in Romans 12. Guys, don't be conformed any longer to the pattern of the world. Think differently. And it's not thinking differently linearly. Like you go, man, we have good and we have bad. We have uh, left and we have right. We have black and we have white. It's going, no, no, no. Thinking in terms of like the way God actually puts God on display is actually getting off of that linear thing and going, oh man, you know what? I'm going to actually think up here. I'm going to think just very differently. I'm going to think about how I can actually put God on display in in a certain situation. No longer is it like, yeah, anyways, you guys understand that. Anyways. All right. Does this kind of make sense a little bit? All right. We're almost done, guys. Just hang with me here. This is, we've already kind of, just kind of walked through this a little bit, but here's where I want to end on this one. Guys, for a redeemed image bearer, we don't have to think the same way. But I want you to think about this. Um, I'm gonna ask a really dumb question, if that's okay. Some of you guys look at me and you're like, do you ask any other kind? Anyways, um, now watch this. Um, How many of you guys, if you were walking by a swimming pool and you saw a small child uh, floundering, they're in the deep end of the pool and they're floundering, they're sinking. How many of you guys would sit in a seat of, of judgment and disgust and go, what are you doing in the pool? And you'd be really frustrated with them or even angry with them or critical or condescending at the kid who's drowning in a pool. Anybody? Yeah, if you're, (laughs) no no one wants to own up to that one. (laughs) Guys, that sounds asinine, right? Like like who would actually look at a kid who's drowning and make fun of them? Or who, who would look at a kid who's drowning in a pool and have a degree of like judgment or disdain or anger? with that kid, right? And yet we do this with our non-believing friends and family members all the time. They don't have the capacity to think any differently. We expect their minds to think properly and they can't. They are broken image bearers. Their minds are functioning in a way that is outside of the way God intended, they can't do anything differently apart from the redemptive work of the Holy Spirit. Don't sit in a seat of judgment towards them. Don't sit in a seat of anger towards them. Your heart really ought to break for them and go, my goodness, what can I do to help that person? What can I do to model for them what it looks like to think properly? And just so you know, Responding to them in anger doesn't actually reflect God properly to them. It actually does a poor job of actually reflecting God to the world. And so you end up kind of like, it's like, okay, I mean, I'm, I'm not really a great image bearer. I'm not as broken, but you're like, okay. But you're going, guys, it's one of those things of going, we, 
don't, don't look at them with this, uh, uh, this, from this position of frustration or judgment or anger. Our heart ought to break for them and go, man, how can I help them? And the way that I help them is modeling for them how to think differently. I model for them what it looks like to think in a way that actually God intended. And as I actually function in a way that actually reflects God well and how I interpret and make sense of the world around me, all of a sudden, that actually can be a beacon of light and it can offer a model of hope because I'm embodying something that is different than what they're doing. They're not experiencing anger and frustration, but they're actually going, man, why is it that you're not angry and cynical and all kind of, you guys get it. But going, guys, we don't have to be ones who actually think like the world does anymore. We can think differently. We need to think differently because that's what God intended. And so when we think about Romans 12 and it says, don't be conformed any longer to the pattern of the world, guys, here's what I want. I want you guys to think of this. And go, guys, don't be conformed any longer to this because this is the way our mind works. God has called us to this, but this requires us to think differently and to engage the world differently. Does that make sense to you guys? This, these are the things you need to think through. And don't judge people when they're stuck here. Model this for them because this is the way it's supposed to be. Kind of makes sense? Kind of, sort of? Awesome. Guys, I'm just gonna tell you this. Thank you. I love you guys. I'm sorry that this is so like abstract. I know it's hard, but guys, we need to think differently. We need to remember what God's called us to. God has called us to put him on display in the world. And the church has an amazing opportunity to do that. But we have to take seriously what it is that God's called us to. God has called us to make him known and put him on display. And we, sin has caused us to function out of a state of brokenness. Jesus has offered us redemption. So we're no longer those broken mirrors. Now all of a sudden we are redeemed image bearers. We're no longer broken image bearers. We're these redeemed image bearers that can reflect God the way we're supposed to reflect God. And the world desperately needs that. The world needs you to reflect Jesus well. Not just in the way you live the moral parts of your life, but also the way your mind operates. Does that make sense to you guys about everything in life? And that's why I love where Cornerstone is right now. Because we're actually taking this seriously. Well, not perfectly, but seriously. And so thanks for your patience. Thanks for your passion. And guys, just continue to grow and learn and explore God's great world. Amen? Yes, sir. Are we going to have an exam? <laughs> yes, you will. Is that all right, Terrell? <laughs> it's game on now. Todd, you get up here, you're going to do something or you're causing trouble.